God bless you, Pastor Kevin. How are you guys doing? I'm going to ask you guys to sit down now in case I forget, okay? I've actually done that. I've preached for 25 minutes and realized I forgot to ask people to sit. So I'm just getting that out of the way. I just want to start in the culture that I came into. And it's a culture of honor. And I just want to honor Pastor Kevin, Pastor Veronica. I just absolutely love you guys. And it's a privilege and it's an honor to know you guys. Um, It really is. And I just appreciate the opportunity to have traveled to Mexico. That was my first time that I've ever been to Mexico. I've not been there on vacation to Cancun and nothing like that. This certainly wasn't Cancun where we went. Um, And it was where, hey, you've moved. It was work, but it was a joy and it was a grace of the Lord upon it. They were souls saved. And when Pastor Veronica came up here, I could see the manifestation, the outworking of what God had done in Mexico here on the platform. That is what it's done to people. And then Abigail came up and she was just undone. And I'm the same. God has ruined me, and I'm not complaining. He's ruined me in a good way. I've never been to Mexico. I've never been on a two-hour trip around a mountain to come into a town. I've never prayed so hard in a minivan, I can assure you. I actually think I prayed more in the minivan than I did in my bedroom. But Pastor Thomas, he did an amazing job. He got us all there safe. I believe it was the Lord. I don't think Thomas has it in him to get us there that safe. It was so dangerous. But like Pastor Kevin, Pastor Veronica and Abigail have said, many, many people came to the Lord. It was worth it. They were worth it. He is worth it. He is the Lord. Worthy of all. He died and rose again for each and every one of those beautiful, beautiful people. And they had nothing and they left with everything. I know what it's like to be, to have a lot and I know what it's like to have nothing and then I met the Lord now I know what it's like to have everything and these guys have left with everything Abigail said something so beautiful when she was brought up to the platform she said the presence Abigail it really touched my heart I went that's it that's it that's the one she said The presence of the Lord is here. And I want you to know. You see, because these people in the mountains, they can look at us like we have everything. We have nothing more than they do now. Because everything outside of what's eternal is going to perish. So they have received Christ. They have received and they have the exact same benefits in life as we do now. 
Yes, we may have a more comfortable bed. Yes, we may eat from a more extensive menu. But Abigail said something that it just pierced my heart. She said, I want you to know. And it was over a thousand people. She said, I want you to know. When we leave, the presence doesn't leave with us. It's staying here. See, because the presence is here too, but he's there too. And you could see it hit them. The revelation. The revelation, oh my days, when the guests leave, his presence is staying here. And we have this responsibility to pour out the nature of heaven. Everywhere we go, we have this responsibility to pour out the nature of heaven. How do we do that? By receiving the nutrients. How do you receive the nutrients? The nutrients flow through the vine. Jesus is the vine. In order for us to display the nature, we have to receive the nutrients. In order for us to receive the nutrients, we have to stay close to our king. And we've left Jesus there. And I have some great news. He's here too. Amen. So guys, my life has been transformed. My heart has been opened up for Mexico. I travel the nations. And God has done something wonderful in my life. So I am pleased to be here. My wife sends her love. She's amazing. I look forward to seeing her on Wednesday. This is day 30, 31 of a 33-day trip. And it is here where I conclude at least my public platform speaking. I can assure you I'll be telling people about Jesus on the plane home too. They can't run. It's quite dangerous if you want to... It's quite dangerous if you want to get off that plane. Especially at 40,000 feet. So guys, let me pray. And I am honored to be here. And I want to serve the Lord well. I want to finish this trip strong. I want to finish my life strong. So I'm honored. Father God, I just thank you. I thank you for Pastor Kevin, Pastor Veronica, their team, and each and every one here. None greater, none less. None loved less, none loved anymore. All loved by you, Lord. I pray that you speak through me, Lord. The last thing faith pleases God, church, needs to hear is me. I pray, Lord, that they hear you, and I pray, Lord, that they hear what you want to say through me. I am here, Lord. Use me. Use me to encourage, to bless, to provoke, and to send your people. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Right, guys, I have a word. Yes, come on, let's give it up for the Lord. Why not? I have a word that is burning in my heart, and you guys on the mission field got to hear a little glimpse of it. Maybe you heard more than what I wanted to share, because I wanted to keep it for today. But I have a word that is burning in my heart, and why I love this specific trip is because I normally come to the U.S. and then say, God, what are you saying 
But this time the Lord gave me a message and then sent me to the US. It's different. It's different. I was sent with a message to release into the United States of America. I love this place. I love the US. I want to eventually live here. Yep, it's going to be amazing. I'm looking forward to it. So, let me read some scripture to you because we are in the house of the Lord and scripture is important. It's the most important. It's life giving. I'm going to read 10 verses to you and I'm going to read from Mark 5, verse 25 to 34. If you don't have your Bibles with you, stand up. I'm just kidding. Um, not that I'm about to expose people, but if you don't, can you please stand up? I'm just kidding. We're going to read from Mark 5, verse 25 to 34, and I'm going to blast through this, and I'm going to read it quickly. And um, some of you may think that my accent is funny, and that's okay, because I think yours is too. <clears throat> and the Bible says where two or more agree, okay, God's going to move. Okay, so let me read these verses, okay? It's Mark 5. Verse 25 to 34. And this is a passage. This is a story that is mind-blowing. This is a story about a woman with an issue of bleeding, an issue of blood. And you may say, Andrew, you've traveled 6,000 miles to tell me about a woman with an issue of bleeding. But there's a story in here that I think that if you just skim through the pages, you will miss it all of your life. And I'm here hopefully going to pour out some revelation because God revealed it to me. I didn't reason this story. I didn't reason this passage. God revealed something to me as I was reading this. And I want to share this with you. Because this is a story of courage, a story of breakthrough, a story of faith. This is a story of deliverance, a story of restoration. And I'm telling you right now, as we look out into the world, the world is desperate for a move of God. We as believers are desperate for a move of God. How much more desperate is a non-believer? We have life, eternal life. How desperate must a non-believer be for a move of God? And yet they don't know. I think the lost excuse for not receiving Christ could be our inability to want to share him. Their excuse to not receive Christ is us not sharing him. I didn't know, they say. But this passage is a story of a woman who hears that Jesus is in town and she comes out and touches him. As I travel the world, thank God he opens up many doors. He hasn't for two years, but that's fine. I think we've all been in the same position. What I see is God moving mightily. But you know what else I see? I see ungodliness on the increase. Ungodliness. You may say, well, what do you mean, Andrew? Tell me some things what you mean. Okay, prostitution, sex trafficking, homelessness, cocaine addiction, alcohol addiction, self-harming, suicide. 
debt, homelessness, all on the increase. The price of gas. Hey, listen here, guys. I'm going to help you a moment here with the price of gas. It's $14 a gallon in the UK. Okay, so now just relax now, okay? Take your mind off gas and put it back on Christ. It's $14 a gallon in the UK, okay? But we don't pay for healthcare, so we're okay. Our government covers all of that for us. Not that I ever want it, but if it's there, we can get it. So here is a woman, okay? This is a woman who's in a culture, a culture, 2,000 years ago. And this culture was a strong culture, like, quite like today. People have many opinions. There's a culture. You can't say one thing without offending another. You can't say this without offending them. There was a teacher in the UK who has just been suspended for not meowing back to a student. Because that was the pronoun. But we're not going there today neither, so don't worry. The kid said she was a kitten. She needed to be meowed to. The teacher said, how ridiculous. The teacher got suspended. I'd have said to that kitten, well, I'm a dog. Woof! Get out! But anyway, let's not go there. Okay, let's get back to the scriptures. Verse 25, I want you to repeat some words with me, okay? I want you to repeat some words with me. I'm going to read this, and there's a couple of words I want you to say, and we're going to thread these words together, and we're going to produce a beautiful story for each and every one of us. One that I want us to be impacted by. Okay, so, and a certain woman, say the word certain, was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered greatly under the care of many doctors and had spent all the money she had. Yet, instead of getting better, her situation became worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. Because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, say immediately. Her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out of him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched me? Say, who touched me? Thank you. You see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered. And yet you can ask, who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at the feet, at his feet, trembling with fear, and told him the whole truth. He said to her, Jesus said to her, daughter, say daughter. Thank you. Your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. Now, these 10 verses is how a life in here is a life that has turned around suddenly. But before we get into this, let me give you a little bit of backstory. Jesus has just got into a boat and gone to the other side of the lake. And at this side of the lake, he is met By a demon-possessed man. This man is legion. There's many demons in him. And you know how this story ends, okay? Jesus speaks to them, demons, casts them into the pigs. The pigs go down into the lake. The man, they drown. This man is set completely free. And then 
he wants to follow Jesus. Jesus says, no, go into your village and tell them all about what I've done. Okay, so Jesus has dealt with this demon-possessed man by simply speaking to them. Iron chains could not contain this man. He was a self-harmer. The Bible says he was cutting himself with rocks. Okay, he was a self-harmer, cutting himself with rocks. Jesus speaks to him, speaks to them demons, casts them out, sets them free. He gets back into the same boat and he heads back over to the other side of the lake and here he's confronted by a large crowd of people and inside of that crowd of people there is a synagogue leader his name is Jarius Jarius has a 12 year old daughter who is about to die and he pleads with Jesus to go and heal his daughter so okay Jesus is here, the edge of the shore, crowd of people, just delivered the demon-possessed man, set him free. He's here now. Now he's on his way to Jarius's house, the synagogue leader, to heal his daughter. And what I've just read to you happens. So, demon-possessed man on his way to heal Jarius's daughter and Jesus gets interrupted and this is what happens did you read what it said in verse 25 sorry did you hear it said a certain woman you said the word certain this woman was unnamed unknown that certain woman unnamed there is people out there with no identity they have no idea who she who they are who he is or who she is. There's people out there suffering. There's people within the church who still don't truly know who they are. And they just feel like a certain someone just floating through society. But this culture, this culture would have known her as an unclean woman. The one you stay away from. This woman has suffered 12 years of social distancing. She knows all about it. I had a little glimpse of how this woman felt. Two years ago in the UK, before the mask mandates came in, I completely, I had no idea. They came in at 12 o'clock at night and the next day of mandates. And I had no idea. And I'm walking in the grocery store. And I was walking up at aisle nine there. The frozen peas are on my left. For those who are into details, okay? Frozen peas are on my left. And I'm walking up the aisle. And right in front of me, Abigail, there was a woman down there about 50 yards. And she came around with her mouth. And she said, she see me. It was like, I expected to go like this. She see me. And she gathered the children. And put and backed up. And I was like, what's going on? And then all of a sudden, I looked around and I was the only one who seemed unclean. And in that moment, of course, this was a blink of an eye. This was in a, a first world country. This was in a place where I could just literally go out, purchase them. You know, I could fix it very quickly. But I understand very briefly of how people would have looked at this woman. A certain woman, unclean named Leviticus 15 tells us if anyone is deemed unclean anyone who touches them is deemed unclean anything she touches is deemed unclean anything she brushes past is deemed unclean the door handle sitting on the corner of the bed 
The pots and pans, anything she touches is deemed unclean. And if you touch it, it's deemed unclean too. This woman knew all about social distancing. Goes on later to tell us that she was financially broke. So clearly no stimulus check. Stimulus check. Stim, stim, that one. Stimulus check. It's been 31 days, guys. I'm getting there. I'm going to finish strong. No help. Financially broke. Violated. And it tells us that she had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors. And instead of getting better, she became worse. Not only emotionally, not only physically, not only spiritually, financially. Now, is this the time where the faith man stands up and condemns doctors? Absolutely not. I've been under the hands of many doctors, okay? I've, I lived a fruitful life before I came, or should I say an unfruitful life, before I met the Lord, okay? I know what it's like to be under the hands of many doctors, okay? I had an operation once. I had a compound fracture. I bit the tip of my tongue off and a bone came out my face here. And I can remember the anaesthetist or the doctor when I was about to have surgery say, he's gone, meaning I was under. And I can remember the anaesthetist saying, he's not. Thank goodness for the anaesthetists. Okay? Because God only knows what sort of pain I would have felt then. So this is not an opportunity for me to come against doctors. I've been under the care of many doctors and I just believe God works through them. But this woman... Oh man alive, this poor woman, this poor woman had been under the care of many doctors, financially broke, lonely, desperate, heartbroken. The world is lonely and desperate. And it needs people like you and me to bring them into the presence of God. Yet instead of getting better, her situation became worse. This woman found herself in a hopeless situation. She was probably putting her trust in back street butchers. Backstreet doctors, I mean, let's face it, what law-abiding doctor would have touched her? Because he would have lost his medical license. Because he would have been deemed unclean. So if he was law-abiding, a right-standing doctor, he wouldn't have gone anywhere near her, unfortunately. So who is she putting her trust in? Anyone. She was putting her trust in anyone because she was broken. And the problem is, if you put your trust in anyone, you'll be let down by everyone. Her life was spiraling out of control. Her situation became worse physically, emotionally, and financially. But I want you to know, this is where this story grabbed me. This is where it grabbed me because it tells us in verse 27... When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. Now, as an evangelist, when I hear that someone, sorry, when I read that someone heard about Jesus, I want to know how they heard. But the Bible doesn't tell me. It says, when she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. I asked the question, Lord, who told her? Who told this woman? Because the Bible doesn't tell us, but the Lord knows, right? Was it you? Do you know what I love, sister? When I... 
When I ask people, was it you? They can't help but smile because you know you want it to be you. It was it you. See, again, your ears moved because you smiled so much. Because you know you want it to be you. I want to be the one who tells this woman. You want to be the one. We, as a family, want to be the one. I believe it was someone like us. I believe it was someone like this family who told her, let's not get into competition here. Let's not get into arguments. Let's just believe it was one of us. Let's just believe it was someone like you. Amen? Oh boy, your nod came very quickly. When I say it was someone like you, Pastor Kevin, no one goes, everyone's like, yeah. Yeah, I'm telling you, it could be someone like you. This woman hears that Jesus is in town. Well, let me tell you something. She has a closed door. She has closed windows. She has a broken heart. She's violated, ashamed. And yet somehow she hears that Jesus is in town. Let me tell you what I believe. It's not in the Bible, okay? So please don't throw stones just yet. You guys look kind. I don't think you're going to. Are you? Okay, no, okay. I'll carry on then, okay? Could it be that actually behind this woman's closed door, in the midst of her brokenness, in the midst of her loneliness and violation, financial chaos, absence of a family, could it be that the people who received Jesus at the shore, who knew what he'd just done over the other side, were filling the air with testimony. Could it just be that someone like you, or someone like you was going, he's here, Jesus is here, where's he been? Do you know the demon-possessed man? Of course, the crazy man across the lake. Well, I've got some good news. He's no longer crazy. He's been brought into the right mind. And now he's in that village. Do you know the village we could never get to because crazy man wouldn't let us? Well, he's in that village now telling people about Jesus. And I think this woman must have gone, because this hell's is when she heard faith. Faith comes by what? By hearing. I believe people in this village would have been saying, he's here. Jesus is here. Where's he been? Demon possessed man. Where's he going? Jarius' daughter. Come on, let's go. Let's see the miracle man himself. Let's see what he's about to do. And I think faith got underneath the door. I think faith pierced through the cracks of the window. And I think faith touched this woman's heart. And she stood up. And she thought, if I can just touch him, I will be made whole. Can you imagine 12 years in a dark room, lonely, financially broke, touched by many men. I was never improved. And she thinks, if I can just touch him, if I can just touch his clothes, I will be healed. She takes it. She takes an opportunity. She takes her opportunity. Oh, by the way, I want you to know Jesus was interrupted here. 
just dealt with demon-possessed man on his way to Jarius' daughter and gets interrupted. I think sometimes we miss the blessings of God because we refuse to be interrupted. God, Jesus, the God-man, the man who Jesus, who God brought to this earth to set us free. He is in town. He's in this town. And this woman thinks, if I can just touch him, I will be made whole. She takes her opportunity and she plucks up the faith. And she peels back that door of isolation. She peels that, back that door of financial ruin. She peels back that door of violation, of loneliness, of brokenness. And she sees him, Abigail, she sees him. He's there, she sees him. And she sees the people, funny enough, the people are the obstacle. Be careful who God, there's people who will talk you out of doing things, okay? Weigh it up with God because sometimes that could be a good thing. Sometimes it could be an awful thing. Sometimes people speak to you and put you out of your destiny. But sometimes people speak to you and they keep you in even if it isn't what you want to hear. Okay, so don't throw everything out. Some of the best things people have ever said to me are the last things I ever wanted to hear. Okay? But she sees him. And faith rises up. And she thinks, if I can just touch him, I will be made whole. Despite the obstacles, despite the danger, the people with the obstacles, she couldn't touch them. And yet she sees Jesus and she thinks, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it now. I don't know whether he's passing through. I'm going to grab him now. As a matter of fact, I'm going to rugby tackle him. I'm going to grab hold of this man right now. And I'm going to cling on for dear life. Because I don't know whether he's passing through. Because to be honest, people in this town, I've never spoke about him before. I've not heard it. And she sees him and she pushes through the crowd stealth-like, I believe. Her reality would be like trying to bowl a 10-pin bowl through the 10-pins without touching one. Impossible. Her culture was making it impossible for her to be set free. And yet she pushes back against it. And she sees him. And she touches his cloak. Verse 29, the Bible tells us, immediately her bleeding stopped. And she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. My translation says she felt in her body that she was healed from her suffering. Did you hear that? Immediately, instantly, right away, the bleeding stopped. She was healed in that very moment. Twelve years of pain, shame, torment, stress, worry, anxiety, loneliness evaporated in a blink of an eye. This woman's reward of healing was on the other side of a journey called risk. She sees him, she sees the obstacles, the people, and she thinks, I'm doing it. I'm taking my opportunity to touch him, and she touches him. 
And immediately we had some fun trying to translate that word in Mexico, didn't we? Pastor Tomas. <laughs> immediately she was set free. Twelve years of pain and torment gone in a moment. Why? Because she heard. Because someone like you told her about Jesus. Someone like you. Someone like you told her. He's here. Jesus is here. And she come out. She pulled back this door and she locked eyes. And she thinks I'm doing it. Immediately. Immediately. Suddenly, instantly, right now, her bleeding stopped. It blows my mind how a life can be transformed in 10 verses. Immediately, her bleeding stopped. Goes on to tell us, verse 30. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out of him. He turned around to the crowd and he asked, who touched me? <laughs> Verse 31, one of the disciples just dreamed with me, probably Peter. Says, my Lord, the people are pressing against you. His disciples answered, and yet you still ask, you touched me? At once, Jesus felt power. But the Bible tells us there was many people touching him. I want you to know Jesus is never too preoccupied to know when you've touched him. Jesus is never too preoccupied to know when you touch him. Could it be possible that those around him were not extracting power? Could it be possible that those around Jesus in that present moment didn't have the same faith that this woman had? He said, immediately Jesus felt power. This woman sees him, touches him, goes past the crowd, touches him. Immediately her bleeding stopped. Power, virtue, healing comes through Jesus, through her instantly. Can you imagine? Jesus feels this extraction. <gasps> Who touched me? Who touched me? Could it be possible that this kind of virtue, this kind of power, this kind of healing can only be extracted by faith? Is it possible? Therefore, is it possible that Jesus is actually uttering, who amongst you is pleasing to my Father? Without faith, it's impossible to please. Could it be possible Jesus has gone, oh, who touched me? Who is pleasing to the Father? I believe there's another reason why Jesus wanted to know who touched her. Because he was about to introduce her back to a community who's rejected her. Who touched me? It's this one. I'm going to lift you up, my love. You can imagine Jesus looking at her. With all the ones with the stones. There she is. She shouldn't be out. She shouldn't be meddling and mingling with us. 
And Jesus looks at her and he says, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. And he sets her free and she goes set free completely in peace, completely whole, and a whole community has to accept her back in. Who touched me? It was this one. Jesus wanted to expose her in front of them all because when he leaves, he wants the culture that she's been receiving or the acceptance to be set differently. He calls her daughter. Guys, I want you to know We hear this, you know, don't be led by your feelings, okay? Absolutely. Do not be led by your emotions and your feelings. But they can be a hint. They can be a start of you leaning into something. What was that? I just felt that. What was that? You know? But Jesus wanted this woman to know who he was. You see, because too many of us only know his name, and I listen again, it's not heresy, just hear me out. His name is beautiful. His name is above all names. His name, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that he is Lord. But there's a person behind the name. Could you imagine on this wonderful mission trip that I've just been on, where God has done some wonderful heart surgery on me, opened up my heart for a new nation. Could you imagine when we pulled up at Mexico City Airport and I was waiting to meet Pastor Kevin and Pastor Veronica? Could you imagine if someone just gave me an envelope with a name in and went, here they are. Well, that's all beautiful. But where are they? I have the name. But where are the people? Where's Pastor Kevin? I have his name. But where's the person? Because he's who I'm about to do life with. I have Pastor Veronica's name, but... But where is she? Pastor Kevin, Pastor Veronica, and Abigail, these are the people who I'm about to do life with. You see, I want you to know his name is above all names. His name is beautiful. But there's a person behind it. There's a person, and we're not just introducing people to a name. Listen, we're introducing people to a person. It's not enough for Jesus to be a household name. He has to be a household king. I've got a few household names, Mickey Mouse. You go cast demons out in that name and see how far you get. Donald Duck. There's another one, Minnie Mouse. All household names. But the difference between Jesus is the person behind it. And this woman meets him and is instantly set free. Did you know how I started this? A certain woman. A nobody. Never a nobody in God's eyes. A nobody in the culture's eyes. 
a certain woman. That woman, that unclean woman. Then it goes on to verse 30. Who touched me? She became an identified woman. Nobody. Can you see how this story is progressing? A nobody. Now she's identified. Verse 34. Daughter. Nobody, somebody, daughter in 10 verses. Why? Because she heard that Jesus was in town. And I think it was someone like you. Someone like you. Put your hand on your heart. Say it was someone like me. Say it was someone like me. And before I move on, I just want to pray for you. I just pray that God releases boldness into your life. That you become heaven's mouthpiece. You become that person that a woman or a man or a child of God hears that he is in town because you open your mouth. That it's you who's saying he's here. He's here. Pull back the door of disappointments. Open up the doors. Step through, not open up the doors and let it in. You know what I'm saying. Open up the doors and come out of your disappointments, out of your brokenness, out of your loneliness, out of sickness. He is here. And I believe that if you open your mouth, God will come flooding out. When you step out, he steps in. Prophesying. Prophesying is an overflow of hearing and seeing. Prophecy. Overflow of hearing and seeing. Reaching the lost. An overflow of being found. Reaching the lost is an overflow of being found. So this woman went from a nobody to a somebody to a daughter in a blink of an eye. His situation changed. His social status changed. His loneliness evaporated. His body was healed. His financial situation was just about to improve. Her family was reconciled. Her shame and torment disappeared. Her whole life changed. Because she heard about Jesus. And because we don't know who told her. I want to say this. Be careful what you say in public. People are listening. Be careful how you conduct yourself in public. People are watching. We don't know, but someone told her. She heard from someone. Someone was gossiping about the gospel. Someone was preaching good news. Someone was excited. Someone had faith. Someone had a spring in their step. Someone was declaring, he is here. Someone was declaring he was here. Is it going to be you? I'm just going to share something very quickly and I'm going to finish. And then we're going to pray. Okay? In 2009, I was, I was close to death. I was a cocaine addict and an alcoholic. I was a self-harmer and I was living on and off the streets. I didn't know Jesus. I didn't know a single Christian. Not one Christian I didn't know. 32 years of my life, I didn't know a single believer. And I moved into a rehab in January 2010 as a cocaine addict, as an alcoholic, as a self-harmer, suicidal, two failed suicide attempts. Didn't know any of you guys. 
and I wanted to die. I tried twice. Thank goodness I failed at that. Hopeless, broken, lonely. Violated my own conscience. No one wanted to be around me because I was a mess. I was just destruction and chaos. And I moved into a rehab called a Lighthouse Foundation. Funny thing is, it was three miles from my house. Didn't even know it existed. And it was connected to a church with 780 people. 780 people, three miles from my house. I didn't even know the church existed. I want you to know, people shouldn't have to step in here to know what you believe. Okay? 780 people, three miles from my house, didn't even know it existed. I moved in January the 18th, 2010. Cocaine addict, alcoholic, lost, tormented. Hearing sounds, voices, just chaos. And I was about to have my first Bible study on the 21st of January, 2010. I'd never been to church. I'd never heard the gospel. I didn't know the tomb was empty. I didn't know there was a death, a burial, a resurrection. I didn't know that this time, my brother, that I could actually say sorry, repent. And a loving father would touch me. I had no idea that I could be set free. And I was about to have my first Bible study in a very small room, like a dining room. Very small room. Nine chairs. I didn't own a Bible. And I was looking at the eight other lads in there. It was a male only. Because you know what happens? You put dysfunctional men with dysfunctional women. You're going to have another little problem in nine months. Not the baby's problem. But you get what I mean, right? It was just male only. And I was looking at these eight other men. And I had no idea what it was, but I knew Pastor Kevin that they'd had the same, or at least similar background to me, but they looked different than me. The only thing I can explain is they looked brand new. But I didn't know what that, I couldn't translate it, I couldn't articulate what it meant. So before I was given my first Bible, before I went to church, before I'd heard the gospel, before I'd read any scriptures, before I'd ever prayed, before I'd ever seen anyone lead worship, before I'd seen people lift both hands up in church, let alone one. I didn't know anything. A man walked into the room and this is what he said. He walked into the room at, at 9.15 a.m. 9.14 a.m. I was that person who I just told you. 9.15 a.m. The manager walks into the room. 9.16 a.m. He says, someone in here wants to give their life to Jesus now. And I knew it was me. I said, Jesus, if you're real, save me the word Jesus and save me come out of my mouth I'd never even said this in my life I said Jesus if you're real save me and I felt the hands of God touch me the hands of God touched me purged nine years of addictions out of me instantly suddenly <laughs> baptized me in the Holy Ghost and in fire and I started to pray in tongues some people say that tongues are not for today and they want to cast that demon out of you. Listen to me very carefully. I'd never been to church. I'd never heard it. The very first person I ever heard praying in tongues was me. Could you imagine? 
The very first person I ever heard praying in tongues was me. 9.14am, cocaine addict, self-harmer, alcoholic, suicidal, wanting to die. 9.15am, someone in here wants to give their life to Jesus. 9.16am, the hands of God touched me, brought me into the right into the right mind, gave me a new mind, gave me a new heart and set me free. I walked into that room wanting to die that day and walked out of that room knowing I was going to live forever and I was extremely happy about it. That's what the gospel does. That's what Jesus does. He turns over that that seems impossible and makes it possible. I've had the privilege to lead a number of people to Christ in the last 12 years. I've preached to the multitudes and I preach to the one. I often say this, go after the one. Go after everyone. So I want you to know that God will use you. God will speak through you. And God will want to reach people through you. Can I have the worship band back up? Is that okay? Are we okay, guys, to come up? So guys, what I want you to remember here is this. Here is a woman who heard the good news and her life was transformed. Here is a man from Liverpool, England, who heard the good news, his life was transformed. Me, Pastor Kevin, Pastor Veronica and Abigail, we've just been to Mexico and seen many, many people excuse me, hear the good news and be set free. Now, let me say this. I have never led, hear what I'm saying? I have never led anyone to Christ without telling them about Christ. Do you hear what I'm saying? I have never led anyone to Christ without telling them about Christ. Pastor Kevin gave an altar call. Why? Because he just told them about Christ. They heard he was in town, not Kevin, Jesus. And they responded to the proclamation. If you don't tell them, how will they know? Thank goodness Ian told me about Jesus on that day. Someone in here wants to give their life to Jesus. Some people say to me, Andrew, this is the honeymoon period. I've had believers say to me, you're still in the honeymoon period. I'm like, clearly you don't read the same Bible as me because the wedding hasn't taken place yet. The honeymoon happens after the wedding. So why have I come here? Well, first of all, I was invited. That helps. But because I want you to know Jesus, not just as a household name, but as your king. As your everything. As your Jehovah Jireh. So beautifully put by Pastor Kevin. He's our provider. Not just finances. You lack hope, he'll provide hope. You lack peace, he'll provide peace. You lack a vision, he'll give you it. You lack compassion, he'll give you it. If you don't know that Jesus is your Lord and Savior, now it's always difficult to give an altar call in a, in a, in a home church, house church. Because everyone's here because they know the Lord. But hey, I might as well finish as I started 30 days ago. 
Because I'm not going to say no for you. I'm not going to say no for you. So I want to ask, has anyone come to church today? Has anyone been coming to church the last couple of months? Has anyone been coming to church for 30 years? And they still don't know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Now, hear what I'm saying. If you've never asked Jesus to save you, if you don't know that you are saved, if you've never cried out to God and repented and asked him to save you, you can do that right now. I just think it's a perfect opportunity to do it. I think there's no better time. Like, listen, I'm glad that I gave my life to Jesus, but I wish I did it in a church like this rather than in some little dining room. Although I'm not complaining, okay? If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I just want you to lift up your hand quickly. Wonderful, I thought as much. <laughs> Everyone in here is saved. That's awesome. That's awesome. What we're going to do now, we're going to pray for boldness. We don't know who told this woman. But if I can be completely vulnerable, I want it to be me. I want to be the one who tells that woman. I want to be the one who tells her. But it's not a competition. It's a covenant. So if you tell her, I'm going to rejoice with you. And if you tell her, I'm going to rejoice with you too. But I want it to be me. But I won't lose a wink of sleep if someone else does it. I'll rejoice. So I want you, if you're able, to just stand to your feet. And I want you to picture yourself in this town with this woman. And I want you to picture yourself seeing Jesus in this town. And you know where she is, this woman who's been suffering for many, many years. And I want you to picture your everyday life now. And I want you to be completely vulnerable and honest with yourself. Okay? I want you to be completely vulnerable with yourself. Be transparent with yourself. So Jesus is in town. You're in the same town. You can see him and you can see her. I want you to ask yourself and be honest with yourself. Was it you? Was it you who told her? Was it you who took this opportunity? Because I want you to know that as many opportunities to tell people about Jesus every single day. And if something hit your heart there and a heaviness come on you, I want you to know that is not your portion. 
That doesn't belong to you. I like to say that's the hand of God just resting on your back. And he's saying, hey, come on. Let's do something about this together. If a heaviness or a condemnation has come on you, listen to me. It is not your portion. It doesn't belong to you. Send it back to sender. But if you know that you want to be more bold in sharing your faith, if you know that you want to be more bold in proclaiming the good news, I'm not necessarily saying from a platform here, I'm saying in your nine to five, I'm saying in the mundane parts of your life. There's miracles in the mundane, there's miracles in the nine to five. Clearly there's miracles in the commute and Jesus is exceptionally happy to be interrupted. So as we worship the Lord, I'm going to pray and I want you to just ask God to help you, okay? You know you. I don't know you as well as you do. I know the Lord and I believe he wants to take off a heaviness and just a heaviness of personal not, want, not being able to share your faith publicly. And he wants to release you like songbirds into the community. Bringing people to church. Bringing them. Texting your friends who don't come to church. Emailing them. Whatsapping them. Come to church. God is real. He's amazing. Come to church. Come. 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 So as we worship, I want to pray. Father God, thank you. For each and every beautiful brother and sister of mine here, your kids, your sons and daughters, I pray, Lord, that we become more bold. I pray, Lord, that we become more outspoken with the word of God. I pray, Lord, that we become more bold. I pray, God, that it's us who say, Jesus is here. He is in town. That Jesus is here. Come, come out and touch him. I pray that we are the ones who say, come out and touch him. He is here. And when our community, this community, touches him, they will go in peace and they will be freed from their suffering. You have eternal life. You have the words of life. As Peter said, where would we go, Lord? It's you who has the words of eternal life. So as we worship, I want you to ask God to help you. Ask God to help you. Cry out to Him. This is not a time to go silent during worship. This is a time to ask Him. Ask and you shall receive. Ask and you shall receive. He will touch you and send you. Touch you and send you into this community. Father God, we love you and we thank you for what you're about to do in faith. Please, as God's church, we thank you for what you've done. We thank you for what you have, you, you are doing and we thank you for what you're going to do. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen.